Welcome to episode 86 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that calls it St. Patty's Day, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott, and I'm joined by the Wheel of Misfortune himself, ALK Alters. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it is about noon on Sunday. It's the first day of daylight savings time here in America, so I'm mm. looking forward to those late sun evenings. <laughs> um, I had a, a great show, improv show last night that was really awesome. It was just nice to be able to perform in front of yeah. a live crowd again. And so I am just coming down off of that. How are you? Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I haven't done anything as uh, cool and exciting as a live improv show, but uh, I did write about alternate win cons in Commander this week, so just covered the most popular ones, what mm-hmm. makes them good, why you might want to have one in your decks, and how to choose the right one, so if you want to check that out, that is live now over on Car Kingdom, so you can go check that out. Other than that, I have been stuck into Elden Ring all week. I've heard of Elden Ring. It is not my jam, but I'm very happy for those people whose jam it is. Yeah, I'm definitely the kind of person who uh, favors the jam of Elden Ring. I have just been walking around exploring and dying and exploring Mm -hmm. and finding little dungeons and dying. And it's the first time in years that I've actually sat down with like an open world game and just gone, right, I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to actually explore the whole world. And it's been kind of refreshing. So, I mean, I think, yeah, open world games have gotten so good now that it's like, it's very rewarding to do that. And yeah. Uh, they've gotten a little bit away from just, like, not to rag on Skyrim, but the Skyrim thing of, like, here's, like, a hundred markers on your map. Yeah. You have to go do all of these quests. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. I, I can't I can't play Skyrim for more than 20 minutes before going, right, I'm putting this down. <laughs> so, listeners, you might realize that things are a little bit different. As we talked about last week, Emma is away for the month, and for this entire month, I am going to have a new guest every single week. And we're going to be talking about different things. As you can hear, Dan, A-K-A, A-L-K, is uh, here. I'm so sorry (laughs) about that. It's really a pain in the ass of a name. (laughs) Dan is here, and we're going to be chatting about Commander and maybe some sort of Irish-themed stuff, because it is the release day for this episode is on St. Patrick's Day. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it a little bit themed, perhaps. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Right, so, Dan, before we go any further, as the guest on the podcast this week, what card of the week have you got for us? Uh, yeah, my card of the week is Michiko's Reign of Truth uh, from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So mm. this is from the newest set. It is a uncommon enchantment saga that costs one generic and one white mana. As a saga enters, you put a lore counter on it, and then after your draw step each turn, you put another lore counter. So on the first and second lore counters, it gets a uh, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each artifact and or enchantment you control. And then the third lore counter triggers you to exile it, then return it to the battlefield transformed under your control, mm. which it becomes Portrait of Michiko, which is an enchantment creature, human noble, which uh, its power and toughness is basically equal to each artifact and or enchantment you control. Yeah. Uh, this card's just very, very good, for especially for an uncommon. It's mm. uh, very strong in any sort of 
enchantment or artifact based strategy where it, it acts as a small baby cranial planing and then turns into a small baby nettle cyst yeah it's really really sick I have this in Tashar actually and it does work in there mm-hmm. yeah and I, I like the the design of these sagas that turn into mm-hmm. creatures I think this is probably the most successful of them overall yeah. which is again it's an uncommon so that's a little weird but it, it's just very sort of clean and powerful, and it it just the whole thing just works. And it, it like flipping it a lot of the especially the common ones, you flip it over and it's like, oh great, I got a two two now. Yeah, which yeah. is fine for a common, but yeah, uncommon gives it an, enough power to be useful, but without all the bells and whistles of rare and mythic ones. So it just mm. tends to be more of a like a good role player, those kind of levels. So. Yeah, not surprised to see this at all. It is uh, very, very good. Like I said, I've been playing this in Modern as well. Playing this on turn two with Affinity, where you've just vomited out five artifacts on turn one, and then you're hitting mm-hmm. for eight on turn two. Like, it's good. Feels good. It's good. Yeah, and I would I would say it's, you know, it's only 15 cents. Uh, you should pick it up. But if you've got any Kamigawa, you probably have yeah. one or two of them, at least. Um, and I would, like, it's it's not a hot spec, because I don't think the price is going to go up for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's it's good. It is. Very, very solid indeed. Good pick. So, moving on, we are going to have a chat about Commander and about improv. So, Dan, you do some improv in your spare time. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get into it, and... What kind of stuff do you normally do with it? Like, where do you perform and stuff? You said you had a show there recently. Yeah, so I got into, really got into it about a decade ago. Just something that I, like, had wanted to do for a while, but was kind of scared to do. That really performing anxiety. Um, and, mm. like, really afraid to put myself out there. Um, but I, there are plenty of places that, you know, you can find an improv class basically anywhere. Um, and they're like small theaters that do it in most major cities in minor cities in the US. <laughs> I perform with a, a group of friends. Uh, we do both sort of what we call short form, which is if you've ever seen the the TV show Whose Line Is It Anyways, that's yeah. um, a completely short form improv. Um, all the, the games they play on there are short form. And then long form, which is less rules and more just like people doing scenes together. Hmm. And I should have started this beforehand, but like the point of improv as a theatrical performance is the idea is you're making it all up as you go along. So hmm. there's you're doing all this. There's structure, but there's no script. And you just have to go... You get suggestions from the audience for stuff, and you just have to sort of go with it and uh, make it up. The reason that this applies to Commander is even though improv is made up on the spot, there is a sort of set of guidelines on how to do improv um, Mm. that is good to apply to for Commander. The last time I was on, we talked about Dungeons & Dragons and um, how that relates to Commander and all of these really popular live Dungeons and Dragons shows like Critical Role or The Adventure Zone and all that sort of stuff, um, Dimension 20, that's all of those people are strong Mm. improvisers. Yeah. So they're applying those skills to Dungeons and Dragons. And while Commander, there's less of a storytelling role that you yourself are doing, there are some skills that you can apply from improv into your commander games to help sort of just, you know, juice the the table a little bit. Okay. I'm intrigued to know more. Uh, Like, do you have any kind of examples of something that you would be pulling from improv when you play in your games or? Yeah. So we also talked last time about improving your play experience at a group. And Mm. one of the, the most important skill in improv is listening and uh, reading your scene partners and knowing what they say and what they're doing and how they're building out the scene. And I think uh, a really underrated sort of skill in being in a social situation and playing a game is just reading the other people in the game, how it's feeling, how they seem to be feeling, and 
when you should sort of pull your punches with a card, when you, you know, you don't counter a spell, even though it would be the optimal play, obviously, that sort of stuff, to, yeah. to make it a, a better social experience. Right. So, when you approach games in general, it's, to you, like, some of the aspect of it is cultivating the story that sort of accompanies the actual gameplay itself? Yeah, I mean, it's, first and foremost, I just want to have fun. You know, like, yeah. I would rather have fun losing than not have fun winning a game. And so yeah. it's those moments and where there's, like, a, a big, like, crazy play that changes everything. And one of the other sort of things about improv is making strong choices. Whatever you do in a scene, it's always best to, to do something and do it big and commit to it instead of like just yeah. like but not really doing much and just like standing up there on stage like I'm, I'm here whatever like it's always just mm. better to do something and commit to it and to go at it full force yeah yeah no i get that because similarly to a game of commander i think one one analog that i've personally drawn between commander and improv is that now, I have limited experience with it myself, but mm -hmm. in improv, you're not one person trying to, like, interact with another person. I'd, like, you're all part of, like, one unit. Like, you're yeah. all trying to work together to produce the story or the, mm -hmm. the joke or the punchline or whichever it is. And it's similar in Commander, particularly at more casual levels where you're trying to, ha like you said, have fun. And if you're all working together to have fun, this becomes a much easier and more enjoyable experience overall. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's collaborative. Um, yeah. And even if you're trying to win, I think in a multiplayer game, like playing with your opponents to beat each other instead of like really trying to like strategize as to like how you're going to get your next edge on your opponents, just be like, all right, well, like for like for now, like me and uh, the player to my left are allies. So yeah. we're, we're really going to work together on this. Um, that sort of thing is, I think, is more fun. I I hate sitting in a game and I have to be like constantly being like, oh, what what's the micro edge I'm gonna get from this <laughs> next play? Yeah, I will say that I can sometimes be guilty of that because I learned how to play through Sander and then Modern and Pioneer and stuff. So the competitive side of it is always there for me, and sometimes I have to just know when to turn it down. Yeah, that's the right thing to do in a competitive place. Like having finding that micro edge is the like objectively the right thing to do in a competitive format. Like there are times again, even in casual games, where you might still want to use the the strategy like that to to try and find like the micro edges like you're talking about. Because let's say you have started to pull ahead of everybody else at the table. Mm -hmm. you could start assuming the role of like the the big bad at the table or the villain and yeah yeah if they start to take you down you can then start looking for those micro edges to try and keep you ahead and exactly. keep perpetuating the, the the role that you've put yourself into and that would be yeah committing to that role too yeah. like it's also sort of this thing about threat assessment where so many times people try to be like oh like why why are you attacking me it's like we know, like, you have the most life, you have the biggest board state, you have, you just drew 15 cards, why do you think we're attacking you? Oh, come on, like, just, just own it. Yeah, for sure. Like, there was a game recently where I played with Clayby from CNC mm. Per Air, and they had a Smothering Tithe out on turn two, and they had a bunch of other pieces, they were playing their Isheen deck, and... You know, they leaned fully into, I am the bad guy. You know, like, they were they were even saying, like, there's no such thing as ethical consumption under Clayby. Like, <laughs> you know, does that, like, they assumed the role, and they, yeah. they did it brilliantly. And sure, they were, they were running away with the game for a good portion of it, but it was very fun for us still, because the, the other three of us at the table sort of started to band together to try and take them down, and then... You know, they were trying to hold on to their position because, you know, if you accelerate out a Smothering Tide on turn two, uh, you're spending extra cardboard in which to do that. And mm -hmm. so as a result, they were like very low on cards in hand. They had loads of mana, but like nothing Tons to do of with mana, it. No cards. Yeah. So like they were trying to maintain this air of like, I am the big bad or the villain at the table. And they were trying to do that with basically no resources because all they had was mana. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's very funny when these kind of things work out. And 
people lean into the roles. It, mm. it does take most of the table to lean into it. Like, there could be, like, one, maybe even two people at a pod that aren't sort of copping on to what everybody else is doing at the table mm-hmm. in terms of, like, assuming the roles and that kind of thing. And that still might actually be fine because a lot of people will start to sort of just naturally adapt to the kind of gameplay that's happening around them. Right, um, right. Like, people, people have a certain level of, like, empathy and understanding and being able to read a game state, you know, to be able to be like, well okay, so there's clearly something going on here. It's not just like everybody's cutthroat trying to win at the moment, you know? As you said, if one or two people at the table are being really open and friendly and trying to, like, draw people in, it it does tend to help bring, like, the, mm. the other people in and make a better gameplay experience for everyone. Like, for sure. you know, if you're... Especially if you're playing with people that you don't really know that well, it's always nice to try to get to that point where you're all like laughing and having a good game instead of like oh these are strangers and i'm not talking to them yeah for sure i have developed an issue where i can't actually really play those games anymore like if i play with strangers and i'm not really engaging on like a Mm -hmm. social interaction level i i just don't enjoy it because oh no you know, like like for me, like if I'm if I'm kind of tired with playing Commander for a while, like I said, I'll go and play Modern or Popper or something instead. Play that competitive side of things, and it doesn't matter who your opponent is. It doesn't matter what you're playing or how you're playing or anything. The point is, you're there to try and win, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But when I'm trying to sit down and play Commander, if you don't have that at least base level rapport with mm-hmm. the table, mm-hmm. it can be a struggle, a real struggle. And it's it's really hard over spell table mm. with people you don't know because especially without face cams you're losing so much of what you're able to read off of people and like For see sure. how they're reacting to stuff and all of that you're just looking at their hands it's <laughs> it's not fun I've really tried to dial back like the amount of spell table I stuff as you said like I spell table stuff I play with people I don't know that well because it's mm. like I, there's only so much like looking at people's hands and listening to disembodied voices you can take yeah i completely completely understand like my local play group every single one of us now has a face cam because mm. well we're, we're all friends and we want to be able to see each other's faces and, and chat and stuff and half the time we don't even start playing for about 40 minutes because we're just busy talking crap you know which is great but since i got a face cam and for the record if anybody is considering a face cam for spell table the cheapest webcam is perfectly fine because it's going to be a tiny little box in the corner like no one really wants to see anyone's faces in 1080 we're not no one's that attractive (laughs) (laughs) we no one like you know we're not streaming we don't like you know do our Mm -hmm. skin and our makeup to to make up so maybe like we'll all just be blurry (laughs) yeah well Way to, way to dash the confidence there, Dan. Uh, I didn't buy a ring light specifically <laughs> I, it's a for this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not the one that purchased a ring light now, if I don't believe. No? Okay. But, <laughs> but yes, the the face cams that make a huge, huge difference. So like One here. Oh, you're holding up a ring light. Okay. Yep. Consider me uh, taught. <laughs> so w- when it when it comes to the face cams though like i i play as you know an awful lot on loads of different streams and mm-hmm. the face cam has been phenomenal for that as well because it's so much easier to communicate what you're trying to get across i actually talked about this in an article a few months back on what i learned about playing a year's worth of spell table webcam games mm-hmm. and communication is the hard part and the face cams like dramatically improve that even on streams and stuff it's so much easier to assume the role of like the villain or the underdog or something if you're able to make the 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 body language if you're able to show that off Uh or the facial expressions of someone who's just been hard done by or like you're you know you're about to unveil a master plan or something and it makes things so much more dramatic engaging and easier to read it's yeah it's it's and a you, huge you get to do bits. You get to yeah. Uh, yeah, you get to play your role. Yeah. I, I do think, yeah, face cams are probably one of the best uh, things you could possibly do to improve your games on spell table at least. But yeah, is there anything else that you want to add on improv stuff? 
Well, the last thing I'd say is, and we, we sort of, I sort of hinted at this, Ed, this is like the really basic cliched improv stuff. Like the, mm -hmm. the thing about improv is uh, yes and is the philosophy that you're, you're accepting what people do and you're building off of it. And so that means, yeah. obviously in a game of magic, you're not, when you accept something, like you accept that your opponent's playing your cards, you, you know, you can try to remove stuff, you can try to counter mm -hmm. them. You're, the point of the game is to get your opponent's life total to zero. And I, I'm very, very guilty of this, but, like, don't complain about your opponent's cards. Like, don't complain. <laughs> don't, like, whine about them playing Smothering Tithe, a card I absolutely hate. And I, like, every Same. time a Smothering Tithe comes up, I whine about it. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't, just don't do that. Just don't make people feel bad for playing their cards. Yeah. Like, yeah, at the end of the game, you can be like, hey, the, the power level or whatever was off, like it was a mismatch, yeah. but uh, during the game, just let them play their cards. Yeah, don't get mad. Get even. Just turn all your creatures sideways at them until there's no more smothering tides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree completely. You know, trying to, to maintain positivity throughout the game is good because like, that, it's why you're there. Like, you're there to have fun. Yeah. Another game that I think can, like when you were saying that yes and is the, one of the most important core ideas behind improv where you're taking what someone else has just done and you're building off of it. Mm -hmm. If you want to take that comparison to, like if you want to compare it to another game again, like if you just picture Jenga, for example, right? If someone takes a brick out and puts it on top and it's not the brick you wanted them to take out or something, but you're not going to punch the tower you know you're just gonna play like yeah. it's silly and if it falls down you just stack it up again it's fine you know mm -hmm. i think it's a, a core concept that a lot Scott, of games i, I only <laughs> have an hour a week to play jenga and you're telling me that i can't <laughs> remove that single brick that was the one brick i was really looking to remove this oh week god. i've been you know thinking all about that brick and oh my god <laughs> Right, we're ending this. <laughs> but it is very insightful to be able to get sort of a perspective from someone that does improv and how they apply it to Commander games because it is fascinating to see, like, the analogs between... When you first look at them, like, Commander games and improv, like, it doesn't seem like they would be two things that would be able to overlap much, but mm -hmm. there's an awful lot there. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Again, it's good social skills, too. I, I think the reason everyone should do improv... And this isn't an ad for anything, because improv <laughs> classes are, like, they're not super expensive, but they're, like, kind of expensive, and theaters mm. make their money, like, being, like, come into the system, and we'll, like, you keep paying us to take classes. Yeah. Um, but improv is, it's good for every, sort of, everyday life and work and social situations, just to be able to, to think on your feet a little bit more and to be yeah. able to do presentation a little bit more. Yeah. Absolutely, I would agree completely. And that's coming from someone that hasn't done any improv yet. So, you know, watch this space, I guess. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get there eventually. Um, I'll add that to the, the list of things to do that I haven't gotten around to yet. Thank you, Pandemic. But maybe soon. Yeah, someday. someday soon. <laughs> so, with that said, we decided to add something a little special into this episode. Because the release date for this episode specifically is the 17th of March. Mm -hmm. And if you have any Irish blood in you or you are in the vicinity of any Irish people, you will know that... Or if you're anywhere in America. <laughs> yeah, or if you're anywhere in America, you will then know that that is St. Patrick's Day, which is the most Irish holiday in the world. So, to keep on theme with that, I have created a small little quiz for you, Dan, and I'm very excited to mm -hmm. hear your answers. So this is an Irish slang quiz. I am going to present to you a slang term or a phrase, and you have to tell me what you think it means. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, just as a sort of background on this, uh, uh, my ancestry is about a quarter Irish. I have never been to Ireland. Uh, I obviously don't speak any Irish. And I have very little connection to my Irish ancestry, so I don't know what <laughs> Scott's going to say, and I probably will get it all wrong. <laughs> we will start with the first one. If someone was to say that you are acting the maggot, what do you think that means? 
Um, I was saying, I was thinking playing dead, but maybe just like being gross on purpose. Because that, that, okay. that's what I think of when I think maggots, they're gross. So you're like, you're just like being gross. I don't know. Not quite, not quite. But it's a pretty reasonable attempt, to be fair. Mm-hmm. The meaning is to be sort of fooling around or messing around. Okay. You know, so if someone wants to tell you to stop acting the maggot, it's stop messing around. It's kind of close. Yeah, I, I'd, say, I'd give myself a, a nice, uh, decent 5 out of 10 on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I personally, as an Irish person, I would say that you didn't make a bags of it. Okay. okay. What do you think that means? Uh, you, you didn't... <laughs> Well, I would say you didn't mess it up, but that seems a little too easy. I'd say, uh, can we swear on this podcast? I forget. Yeah, yeah, if you want to. Yeah, you didn't really fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. Essentially, you know, to make a bag of something is to make a mess of something. Okay. Basically, so... So, like, what's the origin of that? Are you, like, dumping your, like, your garbage can bag over on the stuff, or...? Honestly, I don't know the origin of it, and no Irish person I know knows the origin of this. That, at least to my knowledge, <laughs> it's lost to time. Kinda, yeah. It's it's just one of those things. Like, how do you make a bags of something? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next one mm-hmm. is banjaxed, right? Uh, so I, I'm I'm sorry. What banjaxed? B a n j a x e d. What the. <sighs> I have no, like, I'm not even in the same, like, solar system as what this could mean. Um, uh, I mean, it sounds, like, confused. Like, it sounds, like, it sounds like you seem confused. But, like, I'm trying to piece together even from, like, root words, and I'm not getting there. Confused. (laughs) Okay, this is another one that I definitely don't have the origin story for, but... Uh, it basically means broken. Like, you know, if, okay, if, 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 someone, if someone kicked in the door, you know, you would say the door is banjaxed. I got that. I, I can see yeah. that. It's a guy, it's some nice strong sounds in it. A J and X. Yeah. yeah a B at it, the beginning. It, it might sound like a little onomatopoeic, sort of. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, something along those lines. Uh, next one we have is a chancer. If somebody a is chancer. a chancer. Yeah. C H A N C E R. Correct. Um, I immediately go to. Oh, are they a gambler? Is this like they they play they gamble they play games of chance? You could say that someone that gambles is a chancer. It's not that directly related, mm-hmm. but you could say that. Okay. Well, that's they. They're just not like gambling, gambling, but they're they they're. they're taking their shot or you know they're they're gambling yeah. metaphorically gambling not literally gambling yeah so it, it would generally be quite a lighthearted thing um it, it would be an insult but it would be very lighthearted for mm-hmm. like someone that would like take a risk you know okay. like um or take a chance on something like say for example if you worked if you ever worked in like a, a store and you couldn't scan something and someone turned around and went oh does that mean it's free they'd be a chancer uh... next one crack C or A I C. So if you were to say that like somebody was having crack. C R A I C. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the drug. Um <laughs> I, I have nothing else, so let's say the, the drug crack cocaine. Okay. <laughs> so crack actually is Irish for fun. Okay. So if someone's having crack, like if someone's having the crack, it means you're mm-hmm. having fun. You mm-hmm. know. It can also be used sometimes if someone says like, Oh, what's cracking? Like what's oh, the, what's the fun? We, we kind say of that thing. in the U.S. What's cracking? Yeah, maybe yeah. that's where it came from. Could be. It makes no sense for us to say it because <laughs> we say so, it's like C R A C K. Yeah, like the like a crack in the road or a, a thing. But then we say what's cracking. So that's probably where we got it from. Could be. Could well be. Now, what might you think a culchi is? Uh, can you spell that for me? Yes, it's C U L C H. I.E. Kulshi. Ah, that did not help. Um, <laughs> I'm getting some sort of... I don't know why this is coming. It's because we, like, we call them a bunch of different things, but, uh, like, a shopping cart? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, that's uh, that's actually the f- definitely the furthest that you've been from any guest so far. <laughs> so it's it's an it's a person from uh, from rural Ireland. So okay. someone that's not in the towns, like they would be a culture. It it tends to be the the lighter of the two terms. The other term is a bogger. Bogger implies that they live in a bog. You know no, that makes sense. But culture is generally like the accepted term. That's if you a, call the polite term. Yeah, yeah, the polite term. One that might not sound like too much of a polite term to you as an American. Um, mm. Acute whore. Uh, what do you think acute whore is? Uh, well, uh, I know what acute whore in America is. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's spelled slightly differently. It's C-U-T-E, like normal, cute. Mm-hmm. But then it's H-O-O-R. Whore. Um, shit, I think I knew this at one point. Um, but... I don't know it now. It seems like an animal term. So like a good sheep. Not quite, no. <laughs> so so this, this would be someone that would be like uh, kind of wily, kind of sly, and would sort of like engineer things to their advantage, you know. Okay. It, it's generally more of a culture phrase, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's used less in the likes of Dublin and stuff. It tends to be more of a culture term. Generally somebody who... Is just very, very clever with what they, they say and do in order to, you know, garner advantage for themselves in, in different ways. Okay. So they're like so. A, a, a mastermind. They're sort of like a little finger. Yeah, like they'll, they'll, they'll take little advantages where they can get them and they'll, they'll seize mm-hmm. those little opportunities and that kind of thing. Like without, without telling anybody, they would try and get ahead kind of thing. You know, they, that you. would be a cute whore. Now, what would you say? If I was to eat the head off you, uh, you yell at me really badly. Yeah, actually, yeah, you g- give out to somebody to nice to shout at someone. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's pretty good. Uh, we have that we have that expression in America: "Bite your head off." Like that's when someone like really just snaps at you. Yeah, very similar. Now, this is one thing that a lot of people might be on the day that's in it, and that is flutered. If somebody's fluthered. Fluthered. It's uh, very funny to hear an American say this, by fluthered. the way. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that's one of my favorite things about languages, um, is yeah, because you grow up with different phonemes, mm. uh, you're just not used to making certain sounds, and so yeah. it's it's tough and it, you know that leads to stereotypes and stuff and that's not what I'm talking about it's just it's just the fun thing about yeah. languages um, I would say I, I don't know you're drunk yeah yeah 100% if, if someone is something id, it generally mm. means drunk if you're, if you're like <laughs> that's, not, that's, not to play I, into those stereotypes stereotypes <laughs> yeah um like, for example, if you were to say, like, after a few drinks and you turned around to your friend in the bar and you turned around and said that they're banjaxed, that also mm-hmm. implies that they're drunk as well. You know, same okay. thing. Now, if you were to go to a gaff, where would you be going? Um, shoot. The only thing it's sticking in my head is that, um, the old gaffer from Lord of the Rings. So, I'd say, like, a, a house, I guess. Yeah, bang on. Thank yeah. you, Tolkien. Yeah. yeah, if you were to come over to my gaff now, you'd be, you'd be coming over to the apartment here. Now, I know Americans have this term already, so I'm going to see if you know the difference. Okay. And if you were to say that something was gas. Um, it's good, cool. That is, that is, that is the American term, for sure. Uh, uh-huh. The original Irish term is if you say that something is gas, it's funny or amusing. Okay. Yeah. In in reference to laughing gas. That's where that's where that comes from. Yeah. So if you laugh a little bit too much at something that's really gas and you're about to shit your pants, mm-hmm. you might need to go to the jacks. I think I might have actually given this one away. But you're, you're, that's just the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other, the first one be banjaxed? So yeah. is that like, is that related? No, I don't think so. There's like a British term called the John. Like if you were to go to the John. Yeah. Um, it's a John in America. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I think we just use 
a different male name, I guess. Well, like, the, <laughs> that's weird because it's this, like Jack is a like a nickname for John. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The next one I've got is knackered. If you were to say that something is knackered, what would um, that, be? that sounds like tired, worn out. Yeah, that's like exactly what it is. If somebody if somebody's knackered, they're they're wrecked. I think you've said that to Sorry. me before, so I use context clues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. So we we don't have many left now. Fourth from the end, we have uh, leg it. If you're gonna leg it, what are you gonna do? Uh, get there quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That may be one of the the more obvious like context based ones. I think. We have one of those. Uh, we I think we have leg. We say leg it, not really. We also say hoof it to mean yeah. the same thing. Yeah, just different. Body part, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, weird that we you like we you say a body part that is on a person. We say a body part that is not on a person. Yeah, yeah. You say the the, the foot of a horse as opposed to the foot of a of a human. But I suppose you know you know what well, with the famine and all, we probably can't afford horses. So you know, there's yeah. that. So. Well, America is so much bigger <laughs> than Ireland. You had to get a horse to go anywhere. Very true. Very true. If you were to do a nixer, what would that be? We usually say nix to like cancel something, but to do a nixer. Um, if I came up to you and told you that I had a nixer for you, and it will take it will take a day to complete, but it'll be worth it. Uh, a job that sounds like a job. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do that thing where like I slowly like reveal more clues until yeah, yeah. Mm. So basically, a, a sort of a cash in hand job. Okay, you know, that makes it, sense. It would be it would be one of those things where you know you, you don't write it down. It's you're just, just doing a, something under the you get. We call that in the U.S. We say you get paid under the table. Um, yeah, yeah, exact same kind of situation. Yeah. Now, this is one that has actually existed more recently, um, so I don't know if this will have translated over yet. But okay. if you were to say that someone has notions, obviously it seems thoughts, but I think it's like. Uh, like either like schemes or like uh, ideas of like dreams of grandeur. Like I'm like I want to be the best. You're not actually too far off. You're not too far off. It's generally someone that would be like a little full of themselves or yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So, for example, if someone spent a hundred euros on a haircut, they they would have notions. Yeah, yeah notions. If they uh, if they went out of their way to go to a gluten free vegan burger joint five miles away, even though that they're neither vegan nor gluten free, then they would have notions. You know? We have. I'm trying to think if there's a similar like one or two word phrase that matches that in the U.S. I mean, we say like people have like a a big head. Um, it's kind of hipstery sort of stuff. It's sort of hipstery. Yeah, but uh, putting on airs is. A sort yeah. of similar one. I, I think there's something, like, I, I'm trying to think of, but I can't quite get at it right now. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you've got very much the, the right run of that one there, yeah, for sure. And then the final one that I have here is to throw shapes. If you were throwing shapes, what would you be doing? Well, you'd, like, take a circle and a rectangle and just <laughs> chuck them at people. Um, Firing protractors. I just... <laughs> I, I all I can think of is throwing shade, so that's what I'm gonna say. You're throwing shade at somebody. You're, um, you're you're talking down to them in a sort of backhanded way. Throwing shapes will be to sort of like aggressively show off. Um, okay. You know, like if you were a skateboarder and you saw someone trying really hard to do a ridiculous skateboarding trick or something, mm-hmm. you know, they would be they'd be throwing shapes if they're just and doing they, that to try and show off. They, you'd say, they would have notions too. Potentially, potentially, okay. yeah. Like if they if they got their skateboard uh, made of artisanal oak, which is you know not very good so, for skateboards, but so like <laughs> notions is more of like a it's like pretentious. It's yeah, um, yeah. It's more of like how you how you look and throwing shapes is like showing off. Like it's actually performing, but you can do that with yeah. money because obviously you know if you go and buy mm-hmm. it. $2,000 suit or whatever, it's like, you know. Yeah, for sure, yeah. $2,000 suit, that's absolute notions, 100%. Mm-hmm. And one other way that you could use throwing shapes is sort of 
it's not generally used, but like in the sort of rock and metal scenes here in Ireland, like people might say it sometimes. And that is like if you're in a mosh pit and you're like, you know, swinging your elbows around and that kind of thing, that would be like throwing shapes and stuff as well. Or like. We call that throwing bows. Yeah. <laughs> throwing, <laughs> throwing elbows. <laughs> throwing bows. Nice. Yeah, so th- that would be a- another use of it. It's less used, but it's definitely still there. But uh, I have to say, that was actually very entertaining for me. that was fun I like it I like learning you know I like learning well I don't like learning languages I like learning about (laughs) languages (laughs) yeah linguistics is really cool the act of having to you know conjugate verbs less so yeah yeah, I got that (laughs) (laughs) all right and uh, everybody that's listening thank you very much for listening uh, because I, we know that it, we're not really talking a huge amount about magic in this episode, and it is something a little bit different. Uh, I have taken this opportunity to do something a little outside of what we normally do, just while Emma's away, because, well, I needed to get guests on. Otherwise, you wouldn't have podcasts to listen to. So I figured, you know what? If I'm doing things different already, I may as well go the full hog. So if you are enjoying this, do let me know over on Twitter, at Savantir, or at the BMCast, or pop into our Discord server. But... Before we round it out, we have a couple of bits of Q&A from the Discord server that I just talked about and from our Twitter. So Joe Cheney, first of all, has two questions. First one is, did you watch Turning Red yet? Uh, I have not. Said on Twitter, I have a backlog of like Disney and Pixar animated movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I haven't seen Coco. I haven't seen um, Encanto. I haven't seen like any of the the Pixar ones that have come out, mm. like the uh, Luca or Soul or... So, like, you know, I, I'm very behind on those sorts of movies. Um, Turning Red looks very good. It looks, yeah. like, really cute and a lot of fun, so... Yeah. I haven't either. It's Disney and Pixar in general, not really my thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely on a much bigger backlog than you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, like, 15-plus years probably at this stage. But, um, yeah, yeah, not, not quite my style but the concept itself looks pretty good you know like one thing that I've started to discover is that I am enjoying a lot more different situations within media in general when I grew up it was all very much like here's like you know white boy goes and does thing finds female love interest goes and like and it's basically the same thing over and over again the way stories should be told yeah. about people that look like me and uh, experience problems like I have. Um, they they meet a very beautiful woman who is much better looking than they are comparatively and they get married. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, but, like, for example, I've been watching a lot more things that are just different over the last couple of years. And, like, one example is, like, the Owl House is a Disney show that was uh, done over the last couple of years. It's coming to an end soon, and it actually got cancelled. Well, quote-unquote cancelled by Disney because, um, well, they didn't say why, but it's because of the you know adequate queer representation within the show. But, like, the main character is a girl, and she's Dominican, and there's, like, good, healthy queer relationships and Mm -hmm. it's all in a cool fantasy world and everything. It's not the kind of thing that I would have watched, say, like, 10 years ago, but if I was still watching that kind of stuff from 10 years ago, like, I would be so bored right now. I would be so, so bored by now. If anything, I'm enjoying media stuff in general a lot more now because I'm being exposed to more interesting stories because it's from perspectives that I don't have and it's enlightening, it's engaging, it's way more interesting yeah and yeah. the media landscape you know has become more open uh obviously mm. it's not perfect no. um for telling stories like these and that's uh, that's really good and so yeah I'm, I'm glad that you know movies like turning red that is about a asian canadian teenager in 2002 i think mm-hmm it's just a story about a real kind of person that exists, but it's not mm-hmm. like the sort of like movie that would have gotten made for by Pixar even um, yeah. ten years ago. Yeah, like it, it feels much more like the synopsis and the concept is more that they picked a random person and they used a data set of people that aren't just white people in America, mm-hmm. 
which is good, I think, personally, because that is, like, outplayed at this point. Yeah. Joe's second question is, <laughs> do y'all want to play some Commander? Yeah, maybe, at some point. I don't know. <laughs> I was just saying, I don't want like, ah, oh, them Commander, come on. Like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've played with Joe before. Joe's good people. We can play again, for sure. Ev the Mage over on Twitter uh, pointed out a nice little deal, and they were saying that they discovered in the search for budget modern builds, Calder Complete is between five and eight dollars, depending on where you look. Um, they like it as a house in Mono Blue Tron in modern, where you can afford to hardcast it and possibly equip it to a bigger threat late in the game. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, I, I like that card. Mm. It's it's fun. It, it's a cool callback card. It's uh, it's a fun design. I have, I have no idea about modern, so. <laughs> And then Munsu Light has two questions. This is quite a good one, actually. Dan, how do you come up with your ideas for your alters and proxies? Um, it's mostly art-related. You know, I'll see a, a a magic art or a like a, a promo magic art that hasn't been really seen widely, and like I'll be like, okay, I want to like work on I, like a lot of the the stuff I do now is expanding the art from like the regular size out to a full frame, and so like that's just figuring working with art and figuring out what I want to do is most of the the stuff I do if like I've done a lot of these like pop culture um mm. sort of like you know like this sort of stuff they're doing with um secret layers theme like the Godzilla series I I do yeah. those just sometimes I someone says something like like oh that that would be a cool idea or mm. I but it's just stuff I come across. I don't like to make plans for what I do because then it feels like work. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah. like if I just do it because I I'm inspired, then it's fun. Yeah, you must be inspired a lot because you really turn some stuff out. Yeah, you know it's it, it literally is like uh, that's why I started like why I started doing. It. I just like it. So like it's I can do I do it to relax and mm. so. If I if I have to like push myself to do it, then it's not relaxing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing for any hobby. Yeah. Like if your hobby is stressing you out, then it's not your hobby. How dare you come for me and my Elden Ring like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it's good stress, like Elden yeah. Ring, like yeah. Now this one was technically directed at me, but I will hundred percent open this up to the floor. Do you sometimes get burned out of playing too many games in a week? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the sort of thing i was just talking about live streams are tough because you have to be you don't you it's over webcam and mm-hmm. like you have to be on for an audience and yeah. like you have to be yeah you, you have to be like engaged the whole time at least a little mm-hmm. bit um and yeah. so it, it's it's a little bit more like work and so it like yeah I was there, there was a point I was just doing way too many games and too many streams and I was like I'm just gonna stop yeah and like take a little bit of a break so it becomes fun again yeah yeah like I haven't I haven't been on a stream in about a week now and I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like I could probably go for a stream you know mm-hmm. that that's that's how I get and if I'm on more than say like two streams in a week then I start to feel it I, I get significantly less burned out playing if I'm playing with like my my regular group, like my pot of friends and stuff. Where oh, yeah. we're just chilling out and we're kind of chatting, and sometimes games happen and that's cool. But like streams, they are draining. Like you said, like a couple hours and in and you're 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 wrecked. You're knackered. You might even say yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know the <laughs> like even on like streams where it, it, there's a, a more casual sort of vibe, it's. It's just different from playing, like, and not that the people I play with on streams are my friends, but like the people I've been playing with for you know a couple of years now. It's just like I can just like not be on, yeah. you know. Just like you know, uh, on some some streams you can just straight up tell someone to go fuck themselves, but like <laughs> it's just different with your friends. Yeah, <laughs> like when you tell sure. your friend to go fuck themselves, you can really tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like there's 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 different energy requirements like you do feel a lot with streams that you have to have a sort of minimum level of energy because you've agreed to be a part of their content and Mm -hmm. you don't want to be the person that drags the whole thing down you want to make sure that you're helping to push it up so 
there is that expectation of energy levels whereas with friends you can be like listen I'm just not feeling this night and I'm just going to throw cardboard at the table and uh, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're in a game that like you're sort of out of for a little bit like you yeah. just got like you're board wiped and you're you're just not doing much for uh, you know a couple rounds you can just mm-hmm. like sort of tune out and like yeah or if you get knocked out early you can just like pull your keyboard down and just start browsing yeah, websites and whatever. stuff like yeah yeah it's a very different feel so that brings us to the end Dan as always thank you very much for coming along yeah, um, thank you for having me this was great I, I very much appreciated your nice high energy levels for this it was really good <laughs> <laughs> but before we sign off would you like to let the listeners at home know where they can find you and what you do yeah so I am a magic digital alterist and uh, I do other sorts of magic content stuff very casually on the side uh, you can find me at Alters ALK on Instagram and Twitter. Those are my main accounts. My Instagram is just uh, my digital card Alters, and my Twitter is that plus whatever passes through my mind when I have access <laughs> to something that can tweet. Nice. I'm just trying to think. How would I sign this off? Normally, someone says like some sort of smart quip. And then, like, um, I just I just fade it, but... Um, um, unban Coalition Victory. That's what Scott's whoa. article is going to be about. Yeah, whoa! He, he shared it with me. It's it's a 10,000-word diatribe about why the rules committee should unban Coalition Victory. It's going to be very controversial. People are going to be talking about it for months and months. Um, uh, Scott is going to get banned from Commander for this take <laughs> by Sheldon. How did you know that 10,000 word diatribe is the description of every single essay idea that I put towards my editor? (laughs) Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.